Hey everybody, so today we are here with our Hot Doors podcast. It's for realtors, by realtors. We've got Jeff McManaman, Hot Doors broker here, and today we are featuring an agent who is near and dear to our hearts. His name is Sean McKinster. Sean, welcome aboard to our podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by here. Um, Sean, I guess while we're just introducing one another here, why don't you tell us what brokerage you're at and how long you've been in the real estate game? Well, technically speaking, I'm with Keller Williams, but I will be with Hot Doors very shortly here as we're all making the awesome move uh, to do so. If you're reading, if you're hearing this now, that already happened, um, but I figure I'd at least be clear on the timing of everything and how, why that happened. Uh, I was teaching. Um, I was not necessarily fond of my position, my job, uh, where my life was heading, and uh, I was sort of rescued uh, by the man himself, Jeff over here. He saw that I was kind of reeling in what I was doing, and I was hitting dead ends, and 30-minute phone call later, and a meeting with another couple of people, I was all in, and that was, what, 18 months ago now? Yeah. 18 months ago. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So in 18 months, so how long were you a teacher before that? Uh, about six years. Wow, six years. And uh, so six years, and so really, had you even th thought about real estate prior to that time? No, no. Uh, were you planning, so planning on being in the teaching field forever, more or less? Uh, yeah, you know, I always, and, and this one, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more, but I always felt like, I feel like teachers are some of the most pigeonholed um, for their profession. I feel like that teachers, it's difficult for many teachers to get out of the public field and into a private sector. Something I always wanted to do. I thought that would be, you know, something I could venture into eventually, whether that was consulting or doing something like that, where maybe it was a little more financially lucrative. Um, <clears throat> and then I just, it, it was one of those things where, um, you know, this was, when I kind of, this became an idea, I was like, this is a way into the private sector, right? From a teacher, um, this was, you know, something I think that my personality fits for, you know? And I think that that was just, uh, I think that was a big part of it. And getting into that part and jumping from teaching is always a leap of faith. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because let's face it, a lot of teachers here, they have the security of a government-funded pension, you have a very secure work schedule, you have the protection of the union, and I can say those things too because I, as well, am a former teacher, and I gave my, um, I my journey was a little bit different than yours, um, but I can understand the idea of wanting to remain in the field for that comfortable paycheck and have that steady flow, but then also at the same time having to balance that with the idea that you're absolutely going to be capped and the bureaucracy is very hard to deal with. I mean, that's what that's what I struggled with a yeah. lot yeah. Um, when um, I was a teacher. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I, I, so I couldn't be myself. I never felt like I could totally be myself. And it wasn't about having brash opinions or doing things that were against the grain, but, um, you know, you just kind of, I kind of felt bottled up. Financially, emotionally, you know, the whole thing. Um, so I wanted to do something where, um, you know, I could be myself, you know, where I can kind of just let my personality fly a little bit and apply it and apply the work ethic that I have, which if you know teachers, you know they have some of the strongest work ethics on the planet. Well, let's. Uh, well, I was going to say let's not make overgeneral. <laughs> well, let's not overgeneralize that. Well, I know a lot of teachers who don't. <laughs> shout out to teachers. Shout out to hardworking teachers. Uh, and it's one of those things Keyword where hardworking. I, I, you know, I, I felt All like five of you. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I just felt like... Are we uh, allowed to drop names of the people who don't make the cut on that? Doug Myers. Doug Myers. Hello, how are you? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. That's great. And it's just, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to do something where my work output, you know, gave me more financial input or however you want to phrase that, you know, where I felt like my work was directly translating to what I was accomplishing. Whereas I felt like I was redlining every day, all day long for eight and a half, ten hours a day. Uh, and, you know, getting a percent and a half point raise. Do you mean financially? Yes. I guess you just tipped your hand to that with the last thing you said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's basically like you didn't like the idea of working, um, putting in your all, giving maximum effort, and then being capped uh, yes. monetarily wise yes. by the amount by your workflow. It's right. almost like you'd rather, if I'm going to work hard and I'm going to put in the hours, I would like to be paid accordingly and have yes. my income dependent on my work yes. rather than just, you know, come to work and it doesn't really matter how hard I work one way or the other, I'm still capped out right. um, at a certain salary. Right. And, and the right. idea that, hey, in 10, 20 years, this is the most you can possibly make. Um, I don't, I don't want to have that ceiling. I don't think it's fair. So, you know, I was like, okay, what can I do that can remove that ceiling or at least make it, quote unquote, glass, if you will. Mm -hmm. And this, this was it. And I've been all in ever since. Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point uh, with that, like knowing that you're, you're a family guy, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah so married, uh, do you have any children? Yep, yep. I have two girls. Uh, one is three, one is one and a half. So my hands are full. Yeah, and so with that in mind, I mean, it just, uh, not only is it a leap of faith to leave um, the teaching field and the quote-unquote security that comes with that, like I had mentioned before, but you also were willing to take a risk to with the potential of putting your family in a better financial position. So yes. shout out to you. I mean, Thank kudos you. for that. It was scary. Mm -hmm. It was scary. I mean, anybody that's starting it has to understand. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to some of these questions as we go. Uh, your mindset has to be completely different. You know, you are no longer dependent on a system, and you have to develop your own. You know, that's that's fascinating. So what I've been hearing so far, and Jeff, and maybe Sean, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing a lot of uh, leaning toward your personal belief in uh, personal responsibility, and personal responsibility, and getting out there and working hard is ultimately probably what's going to take to be a successful realtor. Correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and so with that in mind, with you, you said earlier, you've been in the field about 18 months, so you are still what many would consider, you know, very green in your real oh, estate yeah. career. Um, what have you found to be most challenging thus far about your career? I, I think it's just keeping a steady pipeline, and, and, and it's, it's, I think that's the biggest challenge most, I would see most real estate agents uh, face, is just making sure that that business is continually moving forward and you don't have, you know, slow periods, you know, and you're going to, you know, and that's another thing that I'm sure we'll bring up at some point um, is that if you have the mindset that you're starting your own business, with that comes you understand that just like every business, there's, you know, peaks and valleys and you have to ride with those peaks and valleys, you know. Um, so that kind of led me to, you know, to, to have that mindset and just be like, okay, you know, there is a lot of personal responsibility for this. I can do this. You know what I mean? Um, but I understand that I can't get too down on myself if, if I have, you know, if I have, uh, you know, 10 versus 15 people or 20 people in my pipeline, you know, or 50 people. Um, and I just have to keep plugging. And keeping that pipeline full has been my biggest challenge. Um, but it, 
I don't want to say it's been like a, a bugaboo because it hasn't. It's just it's it's been my my challenge. It's it's been what I put at the top of my priority list. So that is my number one challenge. So I got two questions. And one, why is it at the top of your priority list? And two, um, what what particularly has been challenging about filling up the pipeline? Well, Jeff has been Jeff has instilled for me from the beginning um, a lot of things that he said to me where. You know, for instance, I'll be inundated with a deal, and I'm sure we'll get to that stuff. I'll be inundated in a deal, uh, and, you know, it'll be on its last leg, and it's looking like it's dead in the water, and Jeff will tell me, go make 10 phone calls. Nothing that nothing a problem with 10 phone calls can't solve, you know? And, and that just keeps me focused on what is the most important thing, is that if you continually, you know, pound the ground for leads, if you continually do you know, those important things every day and stick to a routine every day and block out that time to do that, it will naturally fall into place, and, and you will start, you know. Uh, Jeff instilled that importance to me from the very beginning, and so that's, that's I kind of took it and ran away with it. And Jeff, you actually, um, there's a quote that you've told me millions of times. I don't know if we can, you know, fully attribute it to you, and maybe if we should put it on a wall someday, but you always mentioned, like, I, am, I need to know how I'm going to get paid tomorrow. Uh, can you expand on that uh, a little bit more, that philosophy that you have in regard to sales and keeping that pipeline full? I, I think there's a balance between balancing short-term and long-term. Um, I think it's always important to be paid today, but I also think with proper planning, you're, you're always going to be able to survive today. You should always, I always lean towards all of my activities should be to be paid tomorrow. Um, and everything that I'm doing should be searching for for that next thing and keeping if you're basically what I'm trying to do is launch a lot of balls in the air and that way no matter what happens to those balls some of them are gonna fall some of them are gonna break some of them I'm gonna catch some of them I'm not gonna catch but if I put a bunch in the air I'm probably gonna be okay like this is tried and true a sales job you know we have the ability to own and manage our own businesses uh, within this world, but this is a sales job, and you know everybody says sales is numbers game. Well, what does that really mean? If you just get a lot of people that you're working with, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, and I think both of you just alluded to this a little bit ago. You're talking about the importance of understanding that what you guys are doing as realtors, it needs to focus with the mindset of this is my business. And as such, I have to run it as, as a business because I'm not dependent on anything else. Like, again, Sean, you coming from a system where you were guaranteed money all the time, it's totally different to come in and uh, just basically be on the hunt every day. Yeah, Jeff. Sean, I've got a follow-up question to that. Okay. Um, what does – so you mentioned, you know, planning for a pipeline and, you know, mm -hmm. having that it being a challenge – what does what does a good pipeline do for you personally? What does a poor pipeline do for you personally? Okay. That's just a couple seconds on both of them. No, yeah, that's great. Uh, so a good pipeline, what it does for me is it it's a peace of mind thing. Yeah. Um, it lets me know that you know the the the, the chance by the law of averages, you know, chances are my chances are greatly improved if I have a huge pipeline that I will continue to make deals and I will continue to turn numbers and be productive. Um, and a, a, a bad pipeline, I have no sense of security. I have no sense of a safety net, you know, and it's, it's honestly, it's a little nerve wracking, you know, to, to not think of, okay, I have, 
you know, 10 people instead of 50. That's, that means that hopefully three out of those 10 people will land, where it's much easier to say 15 of those 50 people will land. And I guess personally, you know, maybe to drill down one level deeper, mm-hmm. personally, what is that like? You know, I guess good or bad. Um, okay. What, what is, I guess, what is a strong pipeline kind of mean to you? You know, I always make the, the Audi analogy. Okay. What does it mean? Gotcha. To you? Okay. Uh, for me, it's not having, for me, it's not having to worry about the bills. Uh, yeah. Bottom line, um, I come from humble beginnings where we've always lived check to check. Uh, and the first five years of my professional career moved fast and I lived check to check. And, you know, the sense of security to know if, God forbid, something happens or, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about, the next three, four months of bills, you know, yeah. because my pipeline is full and it's healthy. Now, if it was low, that's a motivator for me also to get back out there and make sure that I fill that pipeline quickly. Uh, but for me, it's just a sense of financial security is really what it is. You know, I like the idea of being able to buy myself things and, and you know, be able to do that. But at the same time, um, I haven't even got to that point in my career, I feel like, where I can start making those objectives yet if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it's like, okay, I made it to a point where I literally, if, if, if my house came crumbling to the ashes, I could rebuild it, <laughs> you know, um, which is a great feeling, you know, to have where I would have never know what I would have done if something would have happened, you know, two years ago. Yeah, that's an, that's excellent insight there. Um, and you've mentioned a few times since we're on this pipeline discussion, mm-hmm. let's just go with it a little more. Yeah, absolutely. How do you Fill up your pipeline. Oh, what are what are some, what are, what are you guys? You guys are two master salesmen here. Why don't you? Uh, well, why don't you talk about how we fill up the pipeline. I think, how, how about some of these other new agents out here? Well, it's very you know. I, again, I, I Jeff and I talked about this. And Jeff and I, I feel like it. And I'm not speaking for Jeff, but a lot of times when him and I are talking to someone else about it, we come from a personal perspective. And we say, well, we get a lot of our business from our personal sphere. You know, Jeff and I. Uh, we have a big network of friends, and it's it's you know sometimes Venn diagram of friendship, you know our wires cross, which is really cool. Uh, but because you know we've through our whole lives, I guess taught you know treated people with respect, and you know we're always kind of cordial and nice to people. It, you know you kind of kept in touch with a lot of people, and be, and when you started when we both him and I started this business, people came out in droves to support us. You know Jeff had a lot of his friends right off the rip, including myself. Which, you know, I don't know if we'll ever tell that story, but the whole reason I'm here is because Jeff sold me my first house. Um, but, and I think that it's strong on the sphere, you know, make sure your friends know, don't have any shame letting your friends know this is what you're doing. You need their support. You want their help. You're starting a business just like we talked about. Um, and it also comes down to being in a regular routine and making sure that you block time every day. And if your sphere isn't healthy and it's not giving you, you have to come up with two or three alternative lead gen methods, Right. And one of them might be cold calling, uh, something that with COVID, I've, I've, honest to God, I've taken a step back with because I felt it was a little disingenuous. That's just me. Uh, but a lot of people feel comfortable doing it, and it turns a lot of people it turns the best results. Um, for me, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of spear farming. It's a lot of going back to my old refer- my old clients, getting referrals from them, making sure I'm in a regular touch point with those people, um, you know, and just putting myself out there. You know, um, I'm very social. So I go to a lot of functions, I go to a lot of events, and I always carry a stack of cards with me, you know. But how I build that pipeline is I'm never, I heard this, Jeff, I thought this was pretty profound. I don't know if you can, if you want to elaborate on this. I thought this was pretty brilliant. And it's very simple. 
I'm never truly off, but I'm never truly on. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Where like I, I never yeah, elaborate a little. I never turned I never turned it off, which is a good and a bad thing. But you know, um, Sunday afternoon, if I'm at a party, you know, I'm not ignoring the real estate conversation. If somebody wants to talk to me about it, I'm going to talk to them about it. You know. Um, even though I'm at a party and a lot of people like to, you know, make sure they're, they're keeping that balance. But for me, you know, it's, it's a constant thing of being almost like never truly on, never truly off, like kind of helps me like constantly get my name out there and get myself out there. So part of me wants to shut it off, but this is how I constantly generate business. The guy who trained me called this job a lifestyle job. Mm -hmm. Um, Voich calls this job a lifestyle job. You're kind of always on, always off. Mm -hmm. I actually explain it in a little bit different way. Yeah. Um, I'm a pro wrestling fan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I'm like, Hulk Hogan lives his life as Terry. Yep. Um, it's a different guy. Terry has to go to the grocery store. Terry has to go get gas. Terry has to go to the doctor. Terry does things that normal human beings do. But he's always kind of Hulk Hogan in that process, yep. too. So, so when he's... When somebody wants to talk to him about Hulk Hogan, he's kind of got to be Hulk Hogan a little bit. And that's, I think, a good analogy for, for real estate. You know, you're going to do all the things that you would normally do. You know, I go to kids, I get business when I go to kids' birthday parties. Yep. And I get business when I go to play rec hockey, you know, on Tuesday nights. Uh, I get business when I play golf with my buddies. Um, that's where I get business because I'm always kind of Jeff the realtor, but I'm also still Jeff their buddy. And I hope that makes sense to everybody. Yeah, I think that was well put. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean, and the last thing I'll say about the pipeline is that, you know, and this is kudos to Jeff too, uh, it's important to develop yourself or if you're on a team, have your team develop some kind of stringent system where it keeps you accountable, you have something to track, you know, we use a CRM, uh, we have a, you know, we have a lead funneling system that gives us bottom of the funnel people. Um, you know, they don't come in as often as our self-generated leads, which I feel like still, it's a good thing. Um, you know, but they're there. It's, it's, it's a supplement, if you will. Um, and, but with that, you know, we have a central system that we all use and it keeps us organized. It keeps us on task. It has, a, it gives us a visual cue of what we're working on. Uh, and it allows us to keep track of it, you know, where if you don't have that CRM, if you don't have that system in place, uh, my, that was my first three, four months in the field. You know, I was literally writing things on whiteboards, you know, trying to figure out who was working with what, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so so I think that's important, too, is the logistical sense, is having, having it organized and having an attack, a plan of attack. Hmm. Well, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, good little tips that have just kind of come out naturally here throughout the course of this conversation. And so on the subject of tips and stuff, I think that, um, well, let's be serious, with new agents, there are a lot of things that new agents don't know, and there's a lot of... Um, trial by fire and learning through experience and learning amidst error. And so with that in mind, I know that all agents out there, um, every single one has had war stories, mm -hmm. um, things that have, you know, just, you know, not gone the way that they have planned. Um, what has been your worst on a personal level? Like what has yeah. been the worst war story that you've had so far? Why don't you tell us about it? And we can see, um, just like how you, what you learned from it after yeah. the fact. No, this actually, I'm glad you brought this up because it was one of my first deals. And this was where I first had that experience of when crossing business and friendship uh, can sometimes, you know, um, really mess with your psyche, if you will, and mess with your confidence. Um, uh, you know, without getting too specific, I had a, um, I had a, 
family friend that was going to for sale by owner, or as we call it, Fizbo. Um, I basically won them over and convinced them uh, my first listing was going to be with them. Um, and I went through the whole process with this with this person and put the house on the market. Uh, we had an offer within several days of the house being on the market. We accepted the offer. Uh, but as we walked through every step of the process, um, it was very arduous as far as, hey, they want you know $200 worth of repairs done on the house. Uh, the responses were, F you, you mother effer. Uh, I don't know who the <laughs> F you think you are. Uh, talking to me like that, you know, uh, go F yourself. Where it's obviously, I had to keep in mind, I'm just the messenger in this. But, you know, when you're new to the field, there are people that are out there that think that, especially if they're friends with you, they can talk to you a certain way. Um, and my, my biggest thing was getting a thicker skin uh, with that situation. And that's what I learned there. And that was a big learning because I had several experiences after where I had people, friends of mine, try to cuss me out, try to get tough, I guess tough is the best word to say it, try to get stern with me about things. And, and I let, was able to let it roll off, you know. But that first one, it was, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of uh, tension um, and a lot of, you know, kind of demeaning uh, attitude towards me. And I just had to, I had to learn to, to get over it, basically, because people have their own complexes. They're going to be how they are. And that's... I guess the biggest takeaway to that is I learned that this is a people business. You know, you are here to make everybody happy if you can. And I thought I could do that. And, you know, he wasn't necessarily thrilled by the time the deal was over. But I learned a lot from it. I learned how to approach certain people in certain conversations. Uh, I learned how to present information on a clearer level. Um, I learned how to make sure I had all the boxes checked before I presented the listing to him. Um, you know, there were certain things, certain oversights that I, as we were going along, that I wasn't prepared for. And that's on me for not doing my due diligence and research and making sure that I had everything I needed. So as we were going along, I was learning, right? That's very interesting that you just point out and you bring up there. It's like, so you had just mentioned there were things that I wasn't prepared for and mm -hmm. I didn't do things on my end. So it's kind of like one of those things where... I just literally lost my train of thought. Right well, in the I'll tell you, right let, me give, let me give an example. Like that. something is something something as simple as like minute as like a point of sale, mm -hmm. right? Certain communities in Ohio, I don't know, you know, nationwide, whatever they do, certain communities in Ohio require a point of sale inspection, which requires a seller to send somebody out from the city, make sure the house is safe to be purchased by the next owner, uh, and that that has to be done for transfer of title. Well, you know, I didn't do the necessary research on the city. I had just was under certain assumptions, and I ate that one. You know, I mean, I, I took that one on the chin, but it was a lesson learned for me. And that's the biggest thing here is like, these are all lessons. You know, they're all lessons. Yeah. So it's like the more familiar you are with being able how to work with people and the more familiar you are with just the industry in general, mm -hmm. the better, uh, the more confident um, a, um, a, I guess, a client is going to feel by, you know, in order to work with you. Right, and what, I'll tell you, I'll just give you a, an example. I had somebody give me a little bit of pushback yesterday mm -hmm. uh, about just a very minute detail about an offer we're putting in. And I looked at him and I go, no. With confidence, just like that. And that's something I have never been able to look another grown man in the eye and do. And I, with confidence, I said no. Uh, because I have the confidence now to know. I, I know better than these people. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but I do know better than the average Joe because of my experience and because... My title is real estate salesperson, right? So, um, you know, I needed to have that confidence, and I've learned to deal with so many different types of personalities. 
Um, and so, and, and it sounds like you're saying your lack of confidence was what allowed you to be basically walked over yes. by this. Of this yeah, because uh, I assumed they knew more than I did, which is mm-hmm. it's just a terrible assumption to have. It's just a terrible assumption. I, I, I assumed they knew more than I did, and they weren't more controlled than they should have been. And that's not the case. It's interesting. Jeff and I were having a conversation with another agent um, uh, a couple weeks, uh, about a week ago, and she's actually just brand new to the field, and she was real nervous. She's like, Cause I haven't had any sales yet. How do I approach these clients of mine and like when I haven't even made any sales and how can I get them to trust me and I said that it's basically just that is an internal problem um, like internally um, with your own mind and your own self uh, self-confidence because at the end of the day you absolutely know way more than anybody out there in regard to what's uh, the whole home selling or buying process number one and number two I think so often in life when people say like oh well, how much experience do you have we view that we really narrow things down and instead of viewing things it's like okay so I might not have the direct experience in selling 500 homes but here are all the things that I've done in my life here are the skills that I have here's how I can do this 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 and this and here's how it translates into being a realtor so if there are any realtors out there who are like listening to this and you're struggling trying to make that first sale I would just uh, encourage you to think about what you've accomplished in your own life and how those accomplishments, personally or professionally, have made you into the person that you are today that um, can provide that client with the absolute best service you possibly can. And I think you'll be able to see that it's like, oh, wow, you know, it's <laughs> direct experience doesn't really matter. And really, at the end of the day, nobody really cares about that. It's just like, can you help a person and be able to serve a person accordingly yeah and I, I like what you said about you know you're, you're, you're owning in on innate skills that you have already had uh, because a lot of times this is a second career or third career for people you know I don't know a lot of my friends that graduated from college went right into real estate or even graduated high school and decided they were going to do real estate you know I'm sure there's a few out there right we could probably think of a few if we really rack our brains but Eric Akbar what up <laughs> Eric Akbar there he is the man um, but which is crazy I think that's incredibly savvy of some 18, 19 year old kid being able to hustle real estate, to be honest with you. But because being 18, 19 years old, good God. Uh, so <laughs> if you would have given me keys to someone else's house at 18 years old, I, you know, I, who knows what would have happened. I would have been on the news. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. I don't know what I would have been on the news for, but I'm with Sean. I guarantee I'm on the news yeah, for something. Police blotter somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Something. Um, but I think if you if you focus on those innate skills, so we talked about my work ethic, right? And I felt like that was a very strong part of my of what my package is as a real estate agent. Uh, that was what I owned it on, you know. So when I have people asking me, "You've sold zero homes," I know, but I'm working my ass off, and I will work my ass off for you, for anyone that asks me to. I will redline for you any day of the week, and that's what I do. And people can see they should. They, I, I had to prove it to them. You know what I mean? And I said, just let me do, let me do the work. Let me let the work do the talking. You know, let me prove it to you through my work. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, here we yeah. are. Yeah. And um, so we kind of touched base on your worst war story, yeah. if you will. Tell me about what thus far in your 18 years of real estate, what has been your most joyful moment from working with a client thus far? Okay. So I, I can think of one off the top of my head that I that I think is cool. I'm sure maybe you guys can remind me if you remember of another one, but one in particular, we had a um, we had a lady that really wanted to get rid of a condo uh, that 
the problem was is she had a tenant and the tenant uh, had nowhere to go um, and unless I I would not have felt right putting that house on the market uh, if I would not have at least attempted to help this tenant um, again you know it it's kind of our responsibility but on the same token it's not you know we kind of leave it up to the seller to how they want to handle it this woman was semi-retired she's got grandkids she watches on a regular basis one of the sweetest people I've ever met so I made it very clear to the person I was listing the house with I want to sit down with you and the tenant when I list this because I want to tell her how I'm going to help her um, long story short um, I was able to get her qualified uh, for a home loan and when she was reeling and not sure if she was going to have to do an apartment, move in with her younger sister who has, you know, problems or whatever. Um, we were able to, at Zero Albert, find her uh, what I believe is a beautiful place. And um, it was a little hectic, you know, getting to the end, getting to the finish line with that one. But the point being there is that was one of my favorite stories because I helped someone that was truly in need. Not somebody that could have just waited a year or, eh, I can wait till the market turns over. This is somebody that needed this now. And I was able to do that for them. And that is like, I honest to God had a few tears when, when that thing finally went down and closed because I felt so proud and I felt like I really helped change somebody's life. And that to me was, that's my, my good war story. Um, I'm sure I can think of a couple more, uh, but that's my favorite uh, so far. That is my favorite. And truthfully, um, that's probably, uh, that's uh, that whole story Sean just mentioned is that there was a lot, it got a little hectic down to the end. Um, for us, it was actually a very, uh, as a team here, it was it was very rewarding to see how that all played out. So I'm with you. That was, that was a very good story. Absolutely. <laughs> very good story. Okay. Um, as we're kind of uh, coming to the end here, just... In real estate here, we don't just want to be focusing on the past, your past, you know, oh, yeah. 18 years in your transition. I like, I want us to think down the road a little bit and think about the future. So let's imagine five years from now. So it'll be 2025 here. Um, you'll have been in the in real estate almost, you know, seven years at that point. Mm -hmm. As you, if you and say we invite you on the, uh, I know, crazy. <laughs> we're doing, scary. We were to invite you back on the podcast here. Looking back on those five years. Mm -hmm. What had to have happened in your life, both like professionally speaking, mm -hmm. in order for you to be successful and happy with your progress in real estate, or to know that you were, you know, on the right track? Well, I don't know. I, I know this is going to be a very general thing, but I, I, I just, I'm never satisfied. I'm never satisfied. You know, I was uh, a humble brag. I was rookie of the year for the brokers last year, um, but my plan was to, at very minimum, double the numbers that I had. And I, in six months into the new year, I've pretty much done that. But I told Jeff the other day, I'm nowhere near satisfied with my numbers at this point in the year. Like, I want to have a huge fourth quarter. Um, and I think just having that drive, having that never set, never being satisfied. Like, I want 25 units to turn into 50. I want 50 to turn into 100. I want to run my own team. There's so many things. There's so many things that I want to do, you know? Um, so five years, do you want to be running your own team? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I want to be at a point where, um, you know, I could do the same thing that Jeff did for me, you know? I was at a restaurant today, and what restaurant? Do I have? You want me to shout it out? Yeah. Uh, the Rail at Charlottesville. Excellent yeah, yeah. restaurant. Excellent. Greatest. Best burgers in town. Anyway, uh, and this waitress was awesome. She was incredibly friendly. She was she was very courteous, very very sweet. Question: Was she single? I don't know. 
Okay. I didn't ask because well, I'm a married room, one man. Of the room, one of us in the room here is single, and uh, so if, if y'all hear that out... Guess not, which one. Yeah, guess which one. <laughs> not the first question that comes up when somebody's serving you by yourself at a restaurant. Um, but, you know, and, and, I, and I, I mean, it was a Hail Mary, but I had a card in my wallet, and on the receipt, I wrote, give me a call if you'd like to give this a try. Uh, because she was very good at her communication. She was getting browbeat by her supervisor. I could hear her in the other room, you know? And, and, and that's kind of like... I think Jeff saw that was happening to me, and I feel like that's and, it, and it's not just that, but I think a big part of it is being able to kind of, you know, let people know there's there the grass can't be greener. You know what I mean? Like, the right people could do this. Mm-hmm. So, Absolute, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, I just want to be. I just want to. I want to have my name out there. You know what I mean? I'm okay with a little bit of the pseudo celebrity status. I'll, I want to. I might be on a billboard. You know, I don't mind doing commercials. Uh, he's got a face for uh, he's got a face for podcast. That's that for face for radio. <laughs> hey. yeah, that, yep. I feel like we've all had that said about us at some yep, point. At some so, point, right? All yeah. right. So finally, here. So you've you've given a bunch of tips um, throughout the whole entire session here. Give us one for uh, one going away, one walk off piece of advice, whether it's something practical or whether it's something on the heart level that our newer agents can take and run with and, you know, make implement into their lives and practices. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. The hardest part about this business is riding the peaks and valleys. You have to stay with it. Bottom line. Because if you get down on yourself, it is a it is a slippery slope. It is a very slippery slope. Uh, but also ride the waves, you know, ride the waves of momentum, you know, you have a high point, enjoy it. Yeah, that's it. Sounds great. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We hope you found this valuable. Again, this is our Hot Doors podcast here. We'll have a better name for it um, at some point. If you're, you know, truthfully, if you're listening to this, we will have a better, you'll have a better name for it. And so I'm starting to ramble, which means it's time to go. Catch you on the flip side. Have a good one.